thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey, Mums the Word listeners, it's Kaz Jaff here, and we are at number 10 in our Best Of series, which is uh, quite unbe- unbelievable, really. It's, uh, it's uh, happened so supersonic fast that we got here, and um, well, I'm pretty excited about the uh, other episodes that are coming in the coming weeks ahead, as I have been busy recording behind the scenes and getting some some episodes at my sleeve. So um, this week's episode, I chose it because I really want it to be included mainly from uh, the point that I really want this message to be heard from Julie and uh, because she was so, um, just so uh, open and her her share was so from the heart and raw and um, well, I just, I really loved it and um, yeah, it's just one that for me sticks out in my memory and I think you all need to hear it. Julie Tenner, she is the pleasure nutritionist and the co-founder of Nourishing the Mother. It's another podcast found on the Wellness Couch. And uh, she's also a mother of three and is a naturopath specializing in women's health. She's a birth coach and mothering mentor on a mission to reconnect women to their pleasure and nourish so much more than just their bodies. For over a decade, Julie has helped women reconnect to their magnificence because relationships, health, birth, and motherhood can be a luscious love affair. You're going to love this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've loved the Best Of series. And uh, if you have loved it and want me to do another Best Of uh, next year um, of whatever the 2017 episodes uh, that uh, get shared, then I'd love to hear about that. And um, once again, please share this uh, this podcast and all the episodes with those around you that you love who, who could benefit. And um, as uh, I always say on the show, it's... Um, it's great when we can help one another and not reinvent the wheel and make sure that the mums the word is not something that we keep to ourselves but actually get the message out and help other people going through things so that you know motherhood is something that we should be shared and uh, share all the lessons that we learn. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, Julie. Thanks for giving up your time. I am very happy to have you on the show. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, Kaz. Well, I met you at the Wellness Summit. So I'm a fellow podcaster on the Wellness Couch. Bridget, a friend of mine, and I podcast Nourishing the Mother. So I'm Julie Tenner. I'm a naturopath, a doula, a mothering mentor, which we can talk about later on, an author, and I am a mum of three. I love it when people have got this list of, you know, all know. attributes and they just roll it off like da 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 And it's like we don't actually give credit to how much work has gone into all of those things. I mean, obviously, you know, the degrees that are involved as well and the time and the hours. So, yeah, we've got a Wonder Woman on the show here. Um, <laughs> Julie, I've asked you to share. We had a big chat the other day about our kids and our journey and I just thought this would be awesome if um, the audience could get in on this. So um, we're both really just going to open up and share. But what we really spoke about was being true to that um, that internal voice about, when you still have that feeling and desire for another child and and when do you know to call that in and, you know, head versus heart and all of that. So um, first I want to hear your journey with your kids and share with the audience and then let's get a bit lit into that um, topic. Yeah, I would love to do that. 
look, um, it's so hard, isn't it, when you when you even said you reel off this list of things, it's almost like you backtrack through your life and you go, well, I picked that up there and I picked that up there and I picked that up here and here's what I've created with that. And I feel like that's such soul purpose, soul journey work. And I think particularly in this healing realm of all of these women that you interview and I've listened to a lot of your podcasts is just this perfection in the story of where they've come from and how they bring all of that trauma and learning into something incredible that they share with other women to help them walk. Yeah, totally. It's like we can step back in hindsight and see the, you know, the purpose and the silver lining. And of course, when you're in the chaos and the mess, it's very hard to see through the murky water. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what we do on Nourishing the Mother is the toolkit that helps you in those really tough times. We like One of our catchphrases is we want you to see how the challenge is on the way, not in the way. And that's really when, I, when we're able to backtrack all of our genius that we have right now, it comes from voids, our deepest, darkest times that we've, you know, fought and clawed our way through and come out with this incredible gold. And we've realized that's part of a genius that no one else has and that other women or other people are really open to receiving. Yeah. So when I think about where I've come from, it's like this huge journey, right? Like all of us, I had an emotionally unstable mother. I had, um, we traveled, she's English, so we traveled in two countries. So I picked up all of this you know, needing to mother the mother, growing up early, responsibility, not fitting in anywhere kind of label. And I used to hate on that. And then I realized how much that served. So that void of not fitting in served because it made me search to find my peeps. And community for me now is still one of the biggest values in my life and I think when we can look at our traumas that way we can see how we've picked up all of these gems so I had this incredible ability to network and create tribe of women around me and in teenage years my father was diagnosed with cancer he was studying naturopathy at the time so I grew up in this really health conscious hippie kind of family where, you know, we were drinking kombucha and my dad's catch cry was white bread soon dead. You know, so we just, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. That's just the, that's the chiropractor in me. I mean, you know, lifestyle, you know, as much as my kids probably don't love the lifestyle that I print on them. Um, I actually like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hilarious. So I had this huge body of knowledge that I totally took for granted, right, because I'd already grown up in this incredibly, like your kids and my kids, this incredibly health-conscious body of knowledge that people spend a lifetime trying to even just get to, right? And then so he's studying naturopathy and then and he did yoga every morning, ate organic, like all of that jazz. Wow. And he um, was diagnosed with cancer when I was 15. So the type of cancer he had was caused by um, asbestos. And so the survival rate was like six months at that point in time. We're talking, you know, decades ago now. And so he chose that he didn't want to go down the path of chemotherapy because he wanted a particular quality of life with that. So he went completely alternative. Now what that meant is that all of us were then deeply integrated into this kind of underworld of alternative cancer therapy within Australia at the time. And so fast forward a number of years, I had even this even more enormous body of knowledge around health and healing and chose to study naturopathy and thought that I would specialize in cancer therapy. Um, Well, once I opened my doors and everybody walked in that looked like my dad, I was like a train wreck. So it made me stop my tracks and go, 
I can't do end of life care. So what am I going to do? And I realized what I really wanted to do was the other end, the start of life care. So I then took myself out of practice, went and specialized and mentored and did everything I could to look at um, female repro care and um, pediatric care and naturopathy. And so then I specialized in that and completely, completely loved it. So um, I had that practice up until I had my first son. So my eldest is now nearly 11. And that completely rocked your world. I don't know about you, but I kind of think if I could go back at all those women that I treated before I had kids, I'd just like to give them a hug and go, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're definitely a better practitioner when you're dealing with kids when you're a mum yourself or or even in pregnancy. And I, I I think people do pick up on that. You know, if I've seen the difference, you know, in people sort of requesting or just their general affiliation to the stories and the anecdotes, not necessarily your your um, academic brain, but more the what do you do when you need to sell them like this or, you know, just all the other stuff. Um, yeah. I think that's been really attractive for my clientele over the years. Yes, exactly. So the birth of my first child, I was luckily integrated in a really um, conscientious group of women being in a naturopathic circle. And I saw all of these stories that were horrendous in birth and I saw all of these stories that were magnificent. And I looked at it and I went, what's going on there? Like probably like you, I am able to kind of dissect that human body and what's happening down to what's actually going on under there. And I realized it was a set of choices. And without even knowing the why behind a lot of the choices that I made with his birth, I just did it because my friend did this, this, and this, and that's the birth she had. And I wanted that birth. So if I want that birth, I need to replicate those choices. And one of the best things I did was hire an independent midwife. So we had Jan Island with us for our first and second. And it was phenomenal, like just this complete and total body awakening, soul-like expanding, incredible birth experience. And I walked out of that going, what? I had no idea the feminine could do this. What, What is this? And so I went on this huge then path to delve even deeper into women's work, women's circles, what was happening below the physical, what was going on, which was also part of my adolescence. I'm really tall. I'm six foot one and I don't fit into any kind of, you know, in inverted commas, feminine kind of stereotype. And so it was a label I really struggled with. And my mum thought the best thing for me to do would be to jump into modelling when I was in my teenage years. Well, that was not the best thing for me. And so (laughs) what I've kind of pieced together here is this feeling of hating on this feminine vessel and not feeling connected and not knowing what my feminine was or that it couldn't be X, Y, and Z. No connection. And when I looked to the women around me, I was like, I can't see it. You know, and I think that's that's probably what the young girls in our society are really missing is they have pornography and they have magazines and who else around them is awakening into this body of the feminine and showing them, you know, darling, here's this path that I had no idea. So because I had felt such disconnection, really integrating into my body and all of the work and therapy and women's circles had really been going on in the background for me. And then I had this birth that just like, you know, blew me open on so many levels. And the gift in that was that I delved even deeper into what that was. And um, 
anyway, flash forward a few more years and I was pregnant with my second child and we decided to have a home birth this time because the first time I just about had him in the car and I thought, what the hell am I doing this for? <laughs> and um, I get that. Why would you, yeah, you know, totally get that. And um, so we planned a home birth with my second and all I can seriously, the feeling I get from that is just romance. Like, oh, it was this, she's a November baby, which here is in Australia is summer. And it was this incredible balmy night. You know, those nights where the air feels kind of thick and the sunsets kind of, you know, creamy and pink and orange you know those nights oh yeah in Melbourne and our next door neighbor was playing guitar so he was playing blues on his guitar like this live blues wow and I just remember being like oh my god you know this is like this could not get any better and um it really was just an extremely incredible experience of birth was your eldest there yeah he was Yeah. yeah Such a special gift. Oh, my goodness. And he was so cool. You know, he's rocking around and as I'm walking and meandering in the backyard, he'd, you know, walk next to me and then he'd rub my back if I was breathing through a contraction or, and then he just fell asleep. So, you know, he kind of missed this then huge chunk. And then miraculously, you know, um, I went from just cruising around having a great time to, oh, my God, this baby's coming very quickly. And the midwife said, do you want me to wake him up? And I'm like, no, you know, when you're in that moment and you're like, I just can't think of anything outside of my body right now. And miraculously, like literally just on probably the push before she was born, he woke up and he walked in. So he was laying next to me when she was born. Amazing. I got tingles just now. Oh, it was, it was incredible. The photos I have, you know, straight after our birth is him just, you know, in one crook of my arm and my newborn in the other and, you know, just so like. special, so special, <laughs> yeah. Heaven. And they're quite, they're, it's all, the, you know, the the things that we put on as adults, how they're going to be at the birth because my daughter was so blasé about it all. I mean, we'd practice some of the sounds that I might make and, you know, yeah. when they were happening, she's like, yeah, yeah, I knew that would happen kind of thing. Like she wasn't even anywhere really near me. It was like, yeah, we kind of, I know what's going on over there. And then yeah. really only at sort of, you know, the real moment is when she thought, okay, I'm curious to see this all happen now. But it's really the, you know, I guess the the, the predictions that we place on how they're going to be and they're really totally cool. Like it's so natural. Yeah, I think it's how you set it up. I really think it's the way that you explain birth. And this is the thing like I trained. The next step to my story is that then birth was so incredible. I couldn't let it go. And I went and trained with Rhea Dempsey, who I know you've interviewed yeah. and um, to be a doula. And, um, oh gosh, I've just totally lost my train of thought. That's okay. We were talking about number three and going with Rhea to, um, couldn't let birth go. Oh no, there was something about my daughter. I was about to say, oh, how you set it up. Was how you set it yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. How, how we basically, you know, imprint on them how birth is going to be. Yeah, how birth is going to be. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So Rhea Dempsey, when I was training with her, one of the things that really stuck in my mind was she said, if women aren't conscious about how they set up and prepare themselves for birth, they 80% of the time rebirth themselves, mm. which is extraordinary, right? And and all of us can can see this because we see lines of women that have birthed the same, right? Lines of women that have had seizures, lines of women that need epidurals, lines of women that have had traumatic experiences, and it's that we rebirth ourselves 
unless we're consciously in pregnancy willing to do the work to dive deeper into what is there. Very similar to what Anna Favale, who's all about the prenatal psychology, talks about, you know, basically the story that's imprinted on you in birth. Um, yeah. As well as the, I think it's the... Um, Another type of birth worker also talks about that is that if that's all you've had in your psyche, you know, your psyche about how birth is, that's what you're going to, that's what you're going to do. That's exactly right. That's ex- and, and it is, it plays out because I think the key that women don't fully grasp is that birth is this one pinnacle moment in time when you are literally awake and living in your subconscious. Because with birth, it takes away your conscious brain, assuming that it's a largely drug-free and you are working naturally with your body's hormones. It reduces your body's ability to be in your, you know, frontal cortex kind of working conscious mind. Yeah, totally into reptilian brain. Yes. And so you regress back into that. So whatever is sitting there is what you see women play out in birth. And I know Rhea touched on this with her. She talks about her wild cards and her crises of confidence. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I heard her talk to you about in that podcast. And that's really that whole philosophy of women literally are walking awake in their subconscious. So unless you've set up a circle and you've done some work to prepare yourself and your team and you understand what you're walking into, you know, how well do you think that's going to go? You know, that whole kind of it's incredible. I've seen so many incredible things happen in birth. And the other really fascinating thing if, if Rhea really talked about was if you can really hit the sweet spot, if you understand what's likely to come up, you understand what she needs to move through that and you hit that sweet spot in that sweet time in birth because a woman is so open mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually on every level, right? You cannot ever obtain those levels of access that you can in birth. And because of that, you can do 10 years of therapy in 10 minutes if you set it up the right way. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. Yeah, so much body trust and confidence and just, you know, I guess empowerment can come from that moment. Oh, extraordinary, right? Yeah. And just wouldn't so, you want that for everybody? Would, uh, yes. And this is the thing, right? These women that have these incredible births, we go, oh my gosh, I wish every woman could feel that or at least have a moment's access to that. But it's often those stories aren't told. And so I think we don't have a set of steps to, to get there or perhaps we're too scared and stuck in the stories that we've grown up with to move beyond that. So I think that's kind of changing now. Women are becoming more and more conscious around those choices, but that certainly hits home for me with birth. So I spent this incredible year with um, Rhea training after my middle child's birth and then started working as a doula with women. So I changed my practice then to specifically focus on birth, pregnancy and motherhood. And that was naturopathic birth. And so I took couples on um, monthly and would walk them through basically it was more a um, sort of counselling dive into what's happening for them in their relationship, what's coming up, likely to come up in their birth and their story and, you know, birth debriefing and then I would be with them for the birth. And so I did that for a good um, six or so years and absolutely loved it, like just 
adored it. And in the background of all of that, like you were saying at the start, was this yearning for a third child. And I just I get that feeling, this like full body heart kind of breaking. I just, you know, it doesn't make sense on a head level. And I'd have these discussions with my husband and he'd be like, it doesn't make any sense. You've got these two great kids. Your business is just going really well. And I'm in my head going, yeah, you know, I've had to stop and start my career already, you know, twice with my kids. And you're right, trying to build a practice up from the ground level is really hard. And we want to, you know, have this house and go on this holiday. So we should just keep going the way we are. You know, that makes sense. And yet in the process of doing that, I was really grieving the loss of what I deeply, deeply wanted but was too scared, I think, to really sit in that and listen to that deep, dark, really, you know, that place in in women that we, those whispers that are sometimes easier to ignore but in the long term more painful. And um, anyway, it's quite funny actually because now I do a lot of work with human behaviour and, you know, consciously manifesting your future. So um, my husband was booked in for a vasectomy and I was like, yeah, in my head going, yeah, we should do that. And in my heart going, oh, God, that's it, you know. And the day he was ready to go, guess what happened? I fell over and broke my foot. So we had to cancel. (laughs) Manifested very well. Right? This is what I mean. We're so, even when we think we are not consciously manifesting, we're unconsciously manifesting. And so the point is to start getting, you know, bringing the unconscious conscious so you can start to have some level of control or or, um, communication with the universe rather than it kind of sideswiping you and feeling caught up in that. Anyway. Having to go through so much pain. Yeah, right. So I broke my foot. My husband cancelled his vasectomy. And to be honest, at the time, it's only, you know, one of my friends had mentioned it to me and went, ha ha. And I was like, yeah, okay. And didn't think anything of it. Now I see the ha ha. Um, and then, yeah, I know, seriously, then my foot healed and um, I was getting back into work and I was saying to my friend, I really want another baby. Like this makes no sense on any financial or future-based level. I just deeply, deeply want another baby. And my husband was like, no way, no way. And he was really, um, in terms of contraception, really like stringent about contraception. <laughs> and so I was like, there's just no chance. Like, there's no chance this is happening, I'm saying to my friend. He wasn't on board basically. No, at all, at all. And um, anyway, so I had um, done actually this day of winery horseback riding here down in the Mornington Peninsula. Have you ever done that, Kate? No, it sounds it's like amazing. a dangerous combination. <laughs> <laughs> From this day with my friends, really riding horseback with a whole lot of wine in you. Yes, mm, no, not sure. Not. As the chiropractor in me, I have to say, I'm not a big fan of horseback riding. <laughs> um, anyway, so very drunk, took advantage of my husband, and knew exactly 100% what I was doing, and became pregnant. Amazing and- that it was also all in the right timing, though. Like, well, I meant to be. Yeah, well, you know, this is this is the whole point of the story, though. Again, this is that unconscious or conscious manifestation here was I wasn't choosing consciousness or to have those difficult conversations or face those truths on any level, right? I was avoiding them. And so there was this huge feeling of guilt and that this wasn't okay and that I had put this on my husband rather than feeling like we were a partnership, which mm. is our whole relationship had been about up until that point. Um, anyway, so we went for our 
12-week scan and we found out that um, it was a missed miscarriage. And I had never heard of a missed miscarriage for, which is crazy given I'd spent so many years in women's health. And I had this picture in my head, kind of like the movies, that miscarriage was all cramping and bleeding and da-da-da-da-da. I never knew you could have a missed miscarriage. And what that meant was that at the scan, instead of seeing a live baby, there was a dead one and possibly had been dead for, you know, a good three or so weeks. And so for me, that was just the hardest time in my whole life. Being a very body-centric body worker, health worker, women-centered worker, I thought I was totally integrated in this body that had let me down. And we could choose at that point in time whether we would um, just keep going and wait for something naturally to happen and risk hemorrhage or we could book in for a DNC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, up until that point I was really anti-DNCs and all of that jazz. So I was facing a lot of really, really big decisions. And I get that. Yeah, really big stuff, particularly. As a naturopath, I can, yeah, I totally get that. And so it was this whole, I chose the path of a DNC because my womb felt like a tomb, you know, instead of feeling like this place of life that I thought I was, it wasn't. I hear you, yeah. And, oh, look, I'm so happy to be, to be, vulnerable because this is this is the way so my point is when we're not conscious we're unconscious right Mm -hmm. so all of these manifestations around this baby was I wanted it on one level but I didn't on another because it didn't feel safe because I hadn't consciously got to that point of um being all in you know yeah so we did a we did a podcast as such because Bridget, who I podcast with, also had a missed miscarriage, which is crazy. So her and I both have done a podcast on this. And what was extraordinary about that was um, the blessing in having the history that I had was this um, very kind of intuitively aligned soul. So I went into this DNC before they put me under, and I just thought, I just said to this baby, I just need to say goodbye, and. You know, as crazy as this sounds, I totally got to. So I really had this experience when I went under of being transported and seeing this incredible soul as an adult that I got to say goodbye to. And it was just like I'm crying because it was just so incredible. It was amazing. And when I came out of the anaesthetic, I literally felt like I was being, you know, yanked by the back of suspenders kind of feeling so it wasn't like a dream it was this really and what I remembered about this child was this dark hair and these blue eyes and that I just knew who this person was and the amazing part of that was afterwards we could talk about it with the kids which I think is really important when you're going through a grief process is to not hide it from kids and not they know it anyway and not put it on them but show them a path through it yeah. right and that's been my whole you know when I started having kids I really got into attachment parenting and aware parenting and my whole philosophy was I want every part of you to be accepted not just 
this slice of good and happy and, and whole, you know, this whole spectrum. And that means the, the dark stuff too, right? And unless we show them this is normal and here's how we move through it together rather than disintegrating, how do they ever learn that skill? Yeah, it's important to give them the tools. So we had a tree planting ceremony and we all wrote letters to this baby because for us it was. And it was just beautiful. And so that's still that's still the baby's tree. So the amazing part about this was that my husband went from being 100% anti it to really feeling the loss of what that child meant and 100% into consciously creating a third child, wow. which is an incredible blessing, right? So when we talk about also finding you know, the, the gold out of those deeply struggling moments. There was so much because I was forced in so many ways to to break all of my preconceptions about my body and connection and health and redefine for me what that meant. And really the other thing that I radically did that I'd never done before was radically nourished my feminine. Mm. And both of those things really set me on a path to feeling more grounded and more connected to my central feminine self than I can, you know, than I had up until that point in time and led on to then a conscious conception, which was extraordinary and then an incredibly conscious pregnancy and then a home birth that I had set up um, with um, another home birthing midwife here, Louise Pattinson, and a whole team of, you know, gorgeous friends and doulas around me, one for each of my kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like bigger than Ben here and I was like loving the bejeebas out of it, got my pool, you know, I like was all set. And um, I had this incredible day. I started feeling some mild contractions at the start of um, in the morning. I was taking my kids to school and knowing from the doula hat how long pre-labor, which is what I thought it was, could go on for, I'm like, this is nothing. So I Denial, basically. Well, just I was so just completely wanting to just slip into effortlessness and just feel into my body and my will rather than having it as I think where I've seen a lot of clients, in inverted commas, go wrong is when they focus too early. Gotcha, yeah. So what we kind of want to do is feel into our bodies but move about our day in a way that nourishes our feminine, that distracts us enough so that we're not sitting there counting the seconds because when it's pre-labor, it, I have seen women go on with pre-labor for three weeks. So, And third babies, second and third babies, it's all about position and it's not about them being engaged. So I was like, this could go on for days. Who knows? get on with my day. So I took the kids to school. I had a coffee with a friend. Like it was just beautiful. I came home and I was feeling really lush. I had a nap. I was doing circle breath work on the floor in my, just in my quiet house. I was like loving myself. I was in this complete and utter, you know, incredible space. And um, then my husband picked the kids up from school and came home and I said, I'd really like to go for a walk. It was another beautiful um, night and or evening so we took the kids and the dog for a walk up the street there's all these flowers and my daughter's skipping along picking flowers and I felt like I was feeling zero pain I was just completely still very conscious having real conversations and I was thinking well I'm not dipped into endorphins in any way I'm still really conscious so this is still a while away didn't call anyone and um got to the end of the street and my waters broke which was like out of the blue none of us could wrap our head around the fact that that had happened 
and it broke just as we were having a conversation with my elderly neighbours. <laughs> so cataclysmic right. movie style gush, which I had never had before either. I've never had – I mean, waters both broke, both kids under the water as they were literally coming out. So I've never had that experience as well. So yes. Maybe you need to share a little bit about that for the mums with babies in their belly for the first time, how that whole breaking waters goes. Because I don't really have an idea in real life how that goes. Oh, do you not? Well, the, the funny thing about waters is that I think everyone has this movie style that they break and they gush and then labour starts. And what I've seen in practice is that's not the case at all. Most women's waters won't break until their cervix has dilated a certain amount that it's like there's like a bubble of water that sits between the baby's head and the cervix. And so that bubble of water kind of slips through the cervix and kind of forms like a really tight, tight. And the more that baby's coming down with contractions, the tighter that bubble's kind of getting sort of in the vagina just around the cervix until it kind of pops. Mm -hmm. And that's the cataclysmic gush. But your waters can break because they, in that tension, there's what they call a hind leg. So you can get a little kind of fissure at the back of the waters. And in which case you get a tiny little trickle every now and then and it's nothing. Or they cannot break at all and your babies can be born in their cool, so in their sack. Which is almost what I had with number two as well. Yes, exactly. It's what I have in my second two, which is amazing because it feels incredible as this baby is being born and all of this water is moving through. So waters can break in any way. And with my first, I had the hind leak, so it was small. With my second, um, it was as she was being born. And so for this to happen, as I'm thinking, I'm not even really in labour and having a lovely time at the end of the street having a chat to my elderly neighbours, for my waters to break on the side of the road was like I was going, what? Yeah. (laughs) And my husband's like, right, we got to go. And I'm like, I looked down the street and I went, I can't move. And he looked at me and went, are you kidding me? I'm serious, can't move. I, I can't tell you why I just I cannot move and um he goes oh my god okay so the elderly neighbors have kind of excused themselves in the process of all of this (laughs) and um so I've stayed up the end of the road with the kids and the dog on the lead and my husband's run home but he's got to pull a car out of the driveway to pull the next car out that's going to fit us all in there you know to to come up to the end of the street oh it's literally like a movie happening here yes and in the process of all of that my elderly neighbors have driven back up with towels. So now I'm standing on the side of the road with towels between my legs, the elderly neighbours, the kids, the dog on the lead, waiting for my <laughs> to come and pick me up. It's like ridiculous. Anyway, he comes and picks me up. We all hop in the car. We wave goodbye to the neighbours. Thanks very much, you know. And it's hilarious, right? We get home. And so I planned this water bear with everybody being there and we walked in the door and I had this contraction. All of a sudden kind of went, Ugh. And I thought to myself, that's weird. Ignore that, won't say anything. And I had one more contraction and went, oh, my God, I'm pushing. And I turned around to my husband and I went, I'm pushing. And he goes, what? <laughs> I, there's no lights on in the house. The dog's still got its lead on. There's nobody here, right? Yeah. And she goes, oh, my God, what do you need? Like this, and in my head, I've put my jewelry brain on. I'm like, giving him a list. I need this, I need this, I need this. He rings the midwife. He's Amazing that you could slip into that. Because I I was in this pleasure stage. Like this is, I had got to the point of doing so much work on this pregnancy that I had completely transformed pain. Mm -hmm. I felt zero pain. It was literally an orgasmic birth experience which is, I know, sounds crazy and I so get that you. it's not achievable with your first birth, I don't believe. 
about with second and subsequent births, I think it totally is if you do the work in pregnancy and transforming what that looks like and you set yourself up well. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so my daughter's walking around with the midwife on speakerphone who's like pulled over on the side of the road and my son's got the torch and my <laughs> I said to my husband, I need some water because I was desperately thirsty in that moment. So it comes with this bucket of water. No, no, I need to drink it. What the F is that? And I didn't even have time for I'm going, pull my undies down. And so I then just had this incredible experience. I I think this is the also the subconscious behind all of this was I really wanted an incredibly conscious birth because at that moment of pushing, I think you can be so – in those wild sensations that it's really hard to be conscious enough to really witness your baby in that experience coming out because you're really so in your body and the feeling of it all. And that's really what I wanted this time was to be really, she had such a conscious start, to be conscious to her as she's coming out. Because there was no one else there and it was just me and my body and my baby, I had to be. And I think that's the gift. And I literally can still have this muscular memory of the feeling of touching her head as she's emerging and feeling her body slip entirely into my hands. And, you know, it was exquisite. It was nothing more than completely and totally exquisite. And it was just my husband and me and my two kids and conscious. And it was literally... A, da- a year to the exact day, it wasn't on her due day that she was born, but it was a year to the exact day that we found out about the missed miscarriage and she has dark hair and blue eyes. Amazing. So we kind of, you know, I kind of went full circle and went, ah, oh, you know, this is just incredible and her whole journey has been incredible for me. So she like bends and breaks me like none of my other kids, <laughs> but the gift in that is that she calls me deeper and bigger into whatever it is that I'm really ready to move into, I think, in a life purpose. And you know you are and you know you called her in, you know, so. I totally believe that. I totally believe that. And she's, you know, she's pretty incredible and she's a super savvy spirited kid, which I think is super hard to parent. And I keep telling myself she's going to be amazing when she's an adult. But right now this like three-year-old is brutal. (laughs) So, but it was through her journey. I really, I met Bridget. We started nourishing the mother. And then through that, that I found my next evolution as the pleasure nutritionist. So because I've really come from that place of understanding how you can completely lose yourself in motherhood and, you know, to be able to find your way back. And, you know, I see all of these luscious women around me and they don't see their own lusciousness. And that's, you know, that's how I got here. Yeah. Answer your question? Yeah, no, definitely. And a lot of others too. And so I guess there's a question coming up for me is that, does that stop the yearning then? Is there, is there a certain number for people? Like, has that stopped now? Yeah. Do you know what? As soon as she was born, totally gone. Because that's, that's a, you know, I think, you know, as I was like, oh, is that is that something that happens once people hit menopause and, and mm. they still know that they can maybe have another? Does it ever stop or is it that people have this calling like I'm really done or like what we said before, is it just their their heart, and sorry, their head saying, you know, can't afford it or we're tired or mm. you know, we're busy already and we wanted to do this, this and this, you know. So, okay, so it stops at some point. 
Look, for me, it did. I hear that from a lot of women around me, that feeling of not totally done. Love babies, but totally done. And I didn't understand that feeling until I have it now. And now I understand it. It's this total feeling of I'm really, I'm, yeah, I don't have that, which is so great because that was painful to live with. It felt like this inner conflict, you know. So to not live with that actually feels amazing. And I think it frees you up to then be open to the new experiences rather than still feeling like there's this tug behind you. And I think I'd said to you part of my, you know, um, argument, if you will, to my husband about why we should have this baby was, you know, I don't want to be 70 and look back and go with regret, I wish I had have had that baby. Whereas you're not going to have a baby and look back and go, gee, I wish I hadn't had that baby. (laughs) It's never going to happen because this child just becomes extraordinary and part of your new normal, right? And I think people always make it work. You know, I think about people that, you know, were sort of trying for number three and then they got a set of twins and then they actually have now four kids and they never, you know, and and they still cope. Um, I know people like that. There's a mum at the school and, you know, all boys, all boys. (laughs) So I take my hat off to her. Oh, amazing. <laughs> but, um, you know, all people that have gone for number two and got triplets, I've had a client like that before as well. You know, you've got four kids under 22 months, uh, you know, so yeah. people make it work. They do. Yeah, hats off to them. So I think really the key to that is to really just take that time to listen to yourself, you know, external to those. It's really that finding self again, isn't it, that, that sense of really what is your deepest desire and what is that speaking to you and how you know what are all the layers of the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the have tos and all of the social pressure that is there we can deal with that it's about what is the internal speaking of your internal guidance system and I think that's the probably the bravest deepest most courageous step for women to take is listening to that internal guidance system which for me always starts with the questions about what does my deepest self desire and that's for everything across the board i think as well everything yeah you know you you do put your head on the pillow at night with yourself and yeah and it's a daily check-in i ask myself that question before i'm about to prepare lunch to you know the bigger questions like are we going to have another baby it's that you know what does your deeper self desire and being courageous enough to listen to the vulnerability there yeah yeah and also just take a leap of faith and jump into it too sometimes it's not always the easy the easy path yeah totally it's like in a really is yeah but the thing is our greatest challenges are often our greatest making aren't they like we think back to all those times that we've struggled the most and probably we've found ourselves the most in those moments. And I think anything worthwhile is going to have a level of struggle with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that, that chaos and then the rest and then all the learning and, you know, absolutely. I would love, Julie, for you to share, and I'm sure there's many, um, an affirmational quote um, about mothering, about uh, nourishing yourself, meeting of, uh, your deepest desire. I'm sure you've got many, but what did you choose? I chose, I am proud of the woman I am today because I went through one hell of a time becoming her. Oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it speaks to me for every woman I meet. I just think, yeah. You're I would wear that t-shirt actually. Well, maybe you should screen print that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I actually, yeah. I'm I thinking more for you to like do a brand line of that or, you know, you know, yeah, nourish yeah. to, you know, quotes and things like that, about, <laughs> you know, pleasuring, you know, you know, um, your deepest desires and answering, you yeah. know, your femininity. I, I yeah. And then I think, yeah, that, it's needed. Or on a candle, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I have quotes all over my house. Really like you, I just find they really speak to those parts of ourselves, don't they? Particularly the feminine because they're often quiet. They speak to that other part of our brain and kind of pull that emotion out with them, don't they? But Yeah, and I think we're also totally hard on ourselves as well. So, you know, sometimes it's good just to catch up with a friend and they sort of can look at you and not be that sort of, you know, internal critic. You know, they can see the light sometimes better than we can. Mm, most definitely yeah yeah well um you definitely have shared um a struggle so maybe we won't touch into that unless there's another one you wanted to share no look I'm I'm happy with that that was my I think my deepest struggle time but also definitely my most pivotal moment in yeah, your biggest yeah, win for sure the feminine was yeah and what this next conscious journey was going to be for me yeah yeah so mum of three and all the other list of uh, things that you do what drives you and gets you up in the morning do you know, I was um, thinking about this and I had this big waffly answer and then I took my kids to the movies this week um, to see... Dogs? Pets? No, pets, pets. That's the one, pets. And they had this trailer. For, have you Have you been? Have you seen the trailer for um, the movie Sing? Yes. Out uh, of um, my daughter's been singing uh, What Happened to Your Butt since that, <laughs> yes, you know, okay, my right, six-year-old okay. and now I've got a quote from her singing this song from that <laughs> particular trailer. Great. <laughs> so we're sitting in this movie theatre and this trailer comes up for Sing, which looks fantastic. Looks I really great. see it. And there's this mama pig in there who is like said one of the opening scenes that she says to her husband, honey, tell the kids that I can dance. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can dance, but there's dishes in the sink or whatever. And she's, you see her just kind of self-caving into she's lost who she was and no one recognises who she is. No one can see that magnificent shining out, which then turns to when she's singing on stage, she completely messes it up and she falls over and all of this stuff. And this other pig who's a dancer, performer, turns around to her and goes, you've just got to find the fire of desire. <laughs> and she goes, oh, the fire went out a long time ago. And I was bawling my eyes out. I was like tears streaming down my face. And in that moment I went, oh, my God, Kaz, this is my why. This is my why because it breaks my heart to see women who truly believe that their fire has gone, mm. that they are, that they've lost their desire, that they don't know who their feminine is, that they don't think they are sensual, sexual, incredible women anymore, that I can see their magnificence and they can't even dip their toe in it. That's what breaks my heart open and that's what keeps me doing this. And I think about my daughters and I think about myself and I think I want them to look up and go, oh, that's where I want to be. So how do I get there? Instead of going, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and I just think that's, that's my why. And I see it in all of the women around me daily. And well, you, you must see it in everything because I did not get that from that trailer, but I reckon we're going to plan a double date with our kids and ask to go, oh, to, go I would, to that film because uh, it looks like so much fun and we're probably just giving it the biggest plug ever, but it, um, <laughs> it, it looks it looks hilarious and, you know, I love those films, that the animation that, you know, we get the deeper messages. 
Oh, me too. And just those subliminal messages of finding your magnificence outside of your story. I mean, that's what that really spoke to. And just that lusciousness, my whole thing is you can absolutely ignite this fire and, you know, reconnect with what is always yours. But we have just never had that path shown around us. Yeah. So, and it makes me deeply sad when I don't see it. Like this mama pink that I couldn't stop crying over. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, that's also one of my reasons for doing the podcast as well is like, like you said earlier about creating community and, you know, to know that there are people going through what you're going through and you're not alone and let's not reinvent the wheel. And yeah, it's, um, it's also something that drives me too, because I guess we can get really busy in our own little world on our own Facebook, which is kind of social but totally not social and you know we can just get locked in and not connect with people so um yeah thanks for sharing that and I would love for you to share I guess maybe the doula in you or just the mum of three what would you tell yourself if you go back in time and tell your you know first pregnant uh, first time mum self I mean if you could choose one thing I mean yeah 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 yeah. I mean my one of my things is you know pick your battles you know it's just totally you know Um, but actually the thing that popped into my mind first when I saw this question was chill the fuck out. Like I would just love to go back to myself and just go seriously, babe, because I was on this huge attachment conscious parenting pathway and I wore that, um, you know, badge honor, however you want to say it. Every time I thought that I'd messed up, I was like imploding with, with guilt and judgment. And I had already fast forward and projected all of the ways that I'd messed my kids up. And I just wish now with the hindsight that I have that I could go back and go, there is just no such thing as a fuck up because even the shit you think you're doing wrong is creating incredible learnings, resilience, pathways, avoids and values that create the genius in our kids. And if we had this totally attachment, totally 100% needs met child, I don't know what sort of adult that creates. The most extraordinary adults I've ever met, all of the incredible entrepreneurs you ever meet are kids that have come out of immense challenge and struggle and adversity. And there's a reason for that, right? We find ourselves in the struggle. So the fact that I'm struggling and I have a toolkit with, but I would love to go back and just go to a, honey, you're amazing and just chill out. They're going to be awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And and what about the best advice that you ever received? I mean, you've had some amazing midwives and I'm sure yeah. being around Rhea, but what, what's been some of the amazing advice that you've received? Do you know the best advice I've ever received? And I could not even tell you the one person this came from because I feel like this message comes in so many forms from so many women is surrender. And surrender for me meant so much. You know, it meant surrendering to feeling and letting it have, you know, its way with you, letting it wash over you and fill into what that is. It meant surrendering to a contraction to open up to the extraordinary heights you could go to. It meant surrendering to my screaming toddler who just wants to play Lego and letting go of the dishes, you know, and it means surrendering to what is seducing me, which we talk about in terms of what does my deepest self desire. Surrender serves me daily. Yeah. No, I'm totally seeing a a T-shirt line, really. (laughs) (laughs) Or a beautiful jewellery with the word. I mean, there's just, yeah, really you're just dropping bombs of gold. I'm loving it. Um, and you know, I, look, I know that you've got an amazing list of resources that, 
well that you have up your sleeve but just so we don't sort of break over the one hour mark yeah, yeah. maybe you could share some of your your faves um what you would love some of the listeners to listen to on, on this topic i guess of you know yeah. calling and um you know the feminine things like that what would you recommend yeah. that they either listen read watch I would definitely recommend you listen to our podcast, yeah, Nourishing the Mother, too. because yeah. we talk about this stuff every week. Books I think every woman should read in her lifetime are The Queen's Code, Women Who Run With the Wolves, Vagina by Naomi Wolf, um, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, I think really changed my world. Um, and any of Aletha Salter's books on aware parenting really is that whole philosophy around raising ourselves and raising our kids well, to be able to raise our kids and that the whole spectrum of you is acceptable, not just this one sliver. And I love that. Yeah, no, amazing. I think that's going to keep me going for quite a long time. So, um, before I let you go, I mean, I really do want you to share all of your resources and tell people how they can find out more. Um, obviously, the Wellness Couch is where we have our both our podcasts on the network. Um, but please share how people can get in touch and find out more about what you're doing these days. And, um, yeah, please share it. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm at thepleasurenutritionist.com, the pleasing nutritionist on Facebook because they don't let you use the word pleasure which I cannot believe. I know. And the pleasure nutritionist on Instagram. And then with nourishing the mother, I'm nourishing the mother.com.au nourishing the mother on Facebook and nourishing the mother on Instagram. Yeah. What about the doula work? Are you still taking clients? Yeah. So under the pleasure nutritionist, so I have um, split into there is health, birth and um, mothering. And so I have, yeah, I wrote an ebook on birth. There's one about to come out on running a blessing way, which is just the most incredible ceremony for awakening women. Did you have a blessing way before your babies? Uh, I had a group one when I found out what, I mean, that was with the first one. I sort of went along to a big blessing, ah. blessing way with lots of women in a circle. Um, I'm pretty, yeah, that was with number one. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, th- I think first time around, I hadn't really, being overseas as well, I think my tribe came more out of after having, you know, um, yeah. my eldest. And I think maybe if I would have had one second time, it would have been a completely different network of people, like you say. Yeah. Um, and I guess I didn't really have that going in. It's coming out of that birth that I either created one subconsciously or just with the work that I do and, you know, the, the pregnancy-based practice, that's where I tend to get my tribe from. So, yeah, but I, I know all about it and I think it's it's amazing. Better oh. than the shower where you just you know, do all these crazy baby games. Yeah, no, it's extraordinary. It's all about nourishing the woman and setting her up ready for really taking on this extraordinary journey of, of birth, this rite of passage. So, yes. Thank you, Kaz. Thank you. Thank you. This has been so good. I, I think I'm coming up with some other topics uh, that we could do because, I, I mean, just a – yeah, there's, there's so much in this women's work. There's so much to break open. Yeah, no, but you've definitely you've definitely uh, cracked it open widely for people and let them know where they can look further. I'm really grateful this time. It's been really fun. It's been oh, super incredible. fun. Thanks, lovely cares. Pleasure. And um, well, I'm gonna um, yeah, I'm gonna uh, be excited for this to release and see how many downloads they get. And I'm sure the um, nourishing the mother. Um, podcast is going to see a rise as well because it is a really nice um synchronistic podcast with the word it's sort of like where we go to next 
yeah, we delve really into the spiritual kind of emotional body of work. So absolutely. And I love your podcast. Thanks. Extraordinary. Yeah, no, I love yours. So, um, and what you're doing and it was, yeah, I'm looking forward to having Bridget on as well. Yes. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. We had a nice story that we might touch on anyway. Enjoy your day. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.